hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, this is Cheryl Broderson in studio with the awesome, wonderful <laughs> Miss Jasmine Allnut. <laughs> I love the way you say it. I don't think I'm wonderful, but yes. yeah, I know. <laughs> what kind and, of you? And we're here with Women Worth Knowing. Yes, we are. We love this program because yes, we, <laughs> we love these women and mm. we really feel that they're worth knowing. Mm-hmm. So the the doctor, Dr. Ida Scudder, who I'm going to talk about today, yes. I was telling my son, I'm going to be talking about Ida Scudder. And he said, hmm. I don't know her. And I said, hence the That's reason why we, we do this. this. Yes. Exactly. So you can know her because she was definitely amazing. She is so. amazing. Now, I first heard about Ida Scudder when I was reading about Granny Brand, and this was years ago, mm-hmm. that she was this doctor who was serving in India. And they began to rely, the missionaries began to rely on Ida Scudder because she mm. was such a heart for the mission field and such a great doctor. And she had met Dr. Paul Brand. In fact, she just loved Dr. Brand. But I think she was in her 70s uh, when, I'm going to talk about that next week, when she met Dr. Paul Brand. Mm. But so I started studying about Ida Scudder because she kept coming up in these different books and with these different people. And I ended up just going, why didn't I know this woman before? (laughs) Totally. She is so amazing. So I think you're really going to relate to her, Jasmine, in a couple of ways because she reminds me of you when oh, she goes to Northfield College. So we'll get to that. But intriguing. Let me just start this. Ida Scudder was born in Ranipet, India on December 9th, 1870. And her parents, Dr. John Scudder and Sophie Scudder, were also missionaries. Now, her father was the son of Dr. John Scudder I. And the first John Scudder was a successful doctor practicing medicine in New York City in the 1830s. And he was very well off and he came from a very well off family. But he heard in a sermon that there were 600 million people on the mission field in India and in Africa and these other nations in need of a doctor. And there were no doctors. Nobody was answering the call. And that was it. He decided, you know, he talked to his wife. Harriet, and they both decided to leave New York City. I mean, this is quite a commitment, right? Right. At this point, they have one son, and they decide they're going to go on the mission field Mm -hmm. and serve. So they went to India. Now, he ended up having eight sons and two daughters. So seven (laughs) sons and two daughters were born in India. And remember, this is like the, this is the 1800s. I mean, things are pretty primitive, even in the United States, even more primitive in India. Mm. All of their children lived and all of their sons returned, except for one, to India um, to serve as missionaries or doctors, all of them. Uh, One of their sons actually died in the United States when he was in seminary. Now, John Scudder II was the youngest son of John Scudder I. So John (laughs) Scudder II Again, was Ida's father, and like his, Wait, he was the youngest. He That's was unusual. the youngest. Yes, they Usually didn't. It's the firstborn. That yes, would be, hmm. that would be okay. the namesake. Huh. Right. I know. I found that interesting too. <laughs> I think they ran out of names. So Maybe. Like, I guess we'll use my own name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We'll just use your name. So he and his wife started a medical outpost in Ranipet, where you know Ida was born, and then they moved to a place called Tindavanam. 
And her mother started a school for Hindu girls and another for Hindu boys because there was no education. So she was teaching them how to write Tamal, the actual language mm. of India. Mm. And she was also teaching them um, some English and teaching them about their history. And it was mm. it was really something else to have a Hindu school for girls because at that point um, in India, most people didn't believe that women should be educated or worth education. In fact, there was this mm. joke that there was this dinner and brains, sheep brains, was to be part of what was served, but the sheep brains was never served. And when they asked the chef, why not? He said, well, they gave me a female goat, and you know, I'm a female sheep, and you know, they don't have brains. Wow. That's yeah, how they that thought was the about perspective. Mm-hmm. Was this, this was contemporary with Amy Carmichael as well, right? Like in a different region of India, maybe? This was before uh, okay. Amy. Okay. This I'm just is, trying to get the this situation. This is pre, uh, pre-Amy. Pre-Amy. Okay, pre-Amy. In fact, um, Ida Scudder and Amy were more contemporary. Okay. Okay. But her father pastored, evangelized, and went to different towns and served tirelessly um, at the medical clinic in Tindavanam. But then in 1878, so Ida is eight years old at this time, there was a monsoon, the monsoon rains failed India. And the people in India counted on those monsoon rains for all their crops. And during this time, a widespread famine started and over 3 million people in India starved to death. Mm. And her father and mother were sanctioned by the British government, who was head of India at that time. And they were given this these foods, uh, rations to give out to the people. And she remembers at this time, all these children and families coming to the mission field, and they would break the bread in the smallest portions they could to give it to as many people as they could. And Ida at this time, she's only eight years old, but she vows, I I don't want to live like this. I don't Mm. want to see this anymore. And she's only a little girl. Mm. Well, when the famine was over, Mr. and Mrs. Scudder desperately needed a furlough. They hadn't taken one in years. And so the missionary organization sent them back to the U.S. for some much-needed R&R. And they went immediately to Nebraska. That was where the family home of the Scudders was. And one of his brothers had like a huge ranch there, a farm. And so all the Scudders decided to have this family reunion, and they'd all get tents or they'd rent out places in um, this area of Nebraska. Fun. (laughs) And she remembered the family reunion, and she she absolutely loved the family reunion. (laughs) Well, her dad stayed on in Nebraska for a while, just recuperating until Ida was 12. And then he returned to India. And her mother was left with Ida and Ida's three younger brothers. While Ida's two older brothers went on to college. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ida had two older brothers and three younger brothers. In other words, she was the one girl with five brothers. So when (laughs) Ida was 14, her mother decided to return to India. And all of the Scudder children were left in the States with family members. And Ida herself was left with her Uncle Henry and her Aunt Frances. However, three years later, her aunt and uncle felt that they also were called to the mission field. Mm. So what were they going to do with Ida? Well, about mm. this time, North Northfield College for Women had been opened up by D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody's oh, still alive yes, at this, yes, this yes. point, too. In Illinois, then? In Illinois. Okay. Yes, in Illinois. Uh, actually, Massachusetts, oh. right near. It's not too far from Illinois. Northfield is just like literally over the border from Illinois. Mm. So Northfield is actually in Massachusetts. Very close. So 
Um, Ida is enrolled at Northfield. Now, Ida loved life in the States. Absolutely, like, adored it. She loved the clothes she got to wear in the States. Uh, She loved bonnets. She loved ribbons. She loved style. In fact, by all accounts, she was a very frivolous girl. Frivolous. Like, she didn't take anything too seriously, Mm -hmm. not her studies, not life. And again, she just absolutely loved fashion and social life. Yes. Do you think it was a reaction to, like, what she had been, what she had seen in India? Like, oh, I'm going to go the complete opposite way. That was so hard and intense. You know, I don't know where else she just loved it. Yeah. You know, I'm not not I just want this life instead. (laughs) Yes. But I have to tell you, she was a very, very naughty missionary kid (laughs) at at Northfield. Uh, She loved to pull pranks. Um, she was known to one time, I guess it was go joyriding and get some other girls to go joyriding in one of the teacher's carriages. And then they left it far from school and unhooked the horse and let him just feed in this, some other people's property. Bold, bold yes. move. Wow. She used to borrow the little stove from the kitchen. So I guess the stove was kind of like a hibachi and she would take it into a room, which she never should have done, and make coffee and hot cocoa for herself and her friends. And so she'd always sneak it back to the kitchen, but she got <laughs> caught one time when she was a little late sneaking it back. She also, this is the really bad one, she would sneak up into the attic and smoke cigars. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> with some of the other naughty girls. <sighs> so one chapel, she was caught giggling, and one of the teachers, a Miss Hall, took her aside and rebuked her. And she said, you have become a stumbling block Mm. to the young women here at uh, Northfield. But she had one especially close friend, Anne Hancock. And Anne, like, loved Jesus, like, loved everything Jesus. And she was always pulling Ida into different spiritual depths. In fact, sometimes Ida would be like, oh, Anne, you're so spiritual. Can't you have a little fun? I mean, she she seemed to be that. Now, at this time in Ida's life, she planned on getting married and having children. And that's all she wanted to be, was a wife and mother. and In America. In America. (laughs) Absolutely. However, after she graduated from Moody, she received this urgent note from her father saying that her mother was severely ill. And he needed her to come back and help take care of her mother, as well as— take over her mother's ministries, which were, you know, this the schools, uh, the school for the boy and, and for the the girls. And so mm-hmm. she she sailed almost immediately to India and then uh, went to Tindavanam and, you know, was taking over the schools. And she actually loved working with children. She loved children. And she, she loved their antics. She loved everything about children. So she enjoyed that. And she was um, helping out her mother. She had an uncle, Jared who was also a doctor, and he lived in Valour, and he had opened up a clinic in Valour. Valour was a bigger, a little more sophisticated. Uh, Tinda Vanham was a little bit more of a, a village right? where Valour was more of a city, mm-hmm. a, just a little bit more sophisticated. So one time she was visiting Uncle Jared, and Uncle Jared had this daughter, Dixie, who was older than, than, Ida? than Ida, but um, just super, super sweet. I mean, she just adored adored her cousin Dixie. And so she was telling her cousin Dixie, oh, Dixie, I can't wait. You know, I Jesus' mom's better. I'm going back to the United States. Here's some of my plans and everything. And, you know, telling her all her dreams. And then she said to Dixie, what are your dreams? And Dixie said, oh, I want to find the poorest village in India. And I just want to serve the children there and just serve <laughs> Jesus in India. And Ida said, she was like, oh, 
Okay. I mean, it was just like, where do you go from here? That's interesting. She had that friend, Anne, when she was young. Like, people are constantly trying to pull her towards the spiritual. Interesting. Yes. And and not only that, so this is tells you what a rebel Ida is. So <laughs> Ida and Dixie were out, and they found these, like, rose bushes. It's not sure if they were oleanders or rose bushes, but they decided to decorate their hat with these roses and they just kind of you know went into the mission station all happy you know arm in arm and her uncle jared just said oh what frivolity you know stop that you know what are you doing you know decorating your hats and she looked at dixie and dixie sheepish sheepishly began to take all the flowers off of her hat and just you know apologized to her father well that made ida so angry ida turned around spun out of the room, went back to that same rose bush and decided to cover herself in as many of the flowers as she could. I mean, she put them all over her hat, all over her <laughs> dress, tucked them into her sash, everything. And then she went right back into that room and she just stared down her uncle Jared. And no. her father was there too. And her father just started snickering. And all of a sudden, uncle Jared just broke out in these belly laughs. Wow. And he looked at, you know, Dr. John and said, well, that's what comes of having one girl and five sons. <laughs> and he said, she's, she's yeah, a live one. She's a fireball. She's, yep. she's, she's going to be a problem. And so one night that would forever change her life. Mm. She was trying to write a letter to her friend, Anne. Now, Anne had written her and said, oh, I wish I was serving in the mission field. I would love to be there. You're, you're so blessed. You're, you know, oh, I just, that's the desire of my heart. And she's like, oh, please. I'm going to tell her how hard things are and, you know, how I can't wait to get back to where she is. And she was just going to set her straight. And as she began to write, there was a knock at the door, a desperate knock at the door. So she went to the door, and there was a Brahmin man who was of the high caste in India. And he begged Ida to come and tend to his beautiful young wife, who was having a difficult labor. He explained that his wife was only 14 years old. Wow. But she would die if she didn't get medical attention. So Ida said, I, I don't have any medical training. I'll get my father. You know, let me, he will help you. He's a fantastic doctor. He says, no, a man may not see my wife. Now, in the Brahmin tradition, the high caste women were always veiled publicly, mm -hmm. and only their husbands and other members, female right members of their family. family, knew what they looked like. And they were secluded. So he's got this 14-year-old wife, and you know, no man's allowed to see her. And so he looked at... Ida and said, if you will not come, then my daughter will die. Wife. Yeah. My wife will die. That's right. My 14-year-old wife will die. So the man went away grief-stricken and unwilling to receive the help of a man. So Ida went back to write the letter, and she's going to say, this is the type of conditions that I'm dealing with when there was another knock at the door. And this time it was a Muslim man begging Ida's services to save his wife. Now, his wife was the mother of five children, and one of those little girls, Kamala, was one of Ida's students. So she knew she knew this— uh, This family? Sorry, she didn't know this family. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh. <laughs> this is the Muslim. He has five children, and his wife's in labor. She told this man also, look, I can't help, but my father can. He said, then it's the will of Allah that my wife should die. And he right. started crying, and he left. The wow. third interruption was the father of one of Ida's students, Kamala. Mm. Here's the story. 
So Kamala's mother was sick and needed help. Again, Ida volunteered her father and was refused. Um, Ida was so frustrated, she couldn't write the rest of the letter. She was just saying, these three women are going to die because there's no female doctor, and they won't let a man because of their traditions and their culture. And she said to her dad, you know, what's going on here? And he said, Ida, the things that you can't fix, you're going to just have to forget because there's nothing you can do. It will only frustrate you, and it will not help you to Mm. minister. So the next day, when Ida awoke, she heard these drums beating in the village, and they beat the first time, and it meant somebody who had died, and she asked who died, and they said, oh, it was a Muslim woman. Soon again, the drums beat. Oh, Kamala's mother, she died in the night. And finally, a third set of drums said that the high caste Brahmin woman had died. And it was then that Ida determined and knew she was called of God to be a doctor. Mm. And she determined that she would go back to the United States and study as hard as she could and become a doctor. So Mm. she told her parents her plans, and they all agreed with her. They were all very excited. But before she could go back, her mother was still sick. She had to care for her mother. Mm. And then another famine hit India. And Ida could not return to the States because she was needed desperately to assist her father in feeding um, the hungry and working at the clinic. In the meantime, her cousin Lou, who was a doctor, heard of Ida's plans to return and study medicine. And he said, Ida, I want you to come in and help me in my clinic and assist me um, with surgery. So she began to assist her cousin Lou. And during one surgery, Lou asked Ida to do the final stitches. And Ida's like, wait, I'm not a doctor. I I don't do things like this. And he said, Ida, if God's with you, you can do it. So Ida took the needle and she had her doubts, like maybe I'm not called or maybe I am called at this point. But she took the needle and as she began to sew and make the stitches, she realized that she loved doing this and that she was called to it and that she could be used by God to be a healer. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, So in 1894, Ida returned with her parents. So this is like three years after the call. She had to stay after Mm -hmm. that. Wow, a few years. Okay. Yeah. So Ida returned with her parents to the United States. For Her parents were on furlough again. And her mother, of course, still needed to recover. And they all went to Nebraska for uh, another family reunion. And then Ida set about looking for financial support for medical school because as the daughter of missionary parents, she didn't have any money. There was no way she could afford school. So she went to the Reform Mission Board because that was the board that it sent out her parents and that supported them. But the women were suspicious of her. Like, why would a woman want to become a doctor? Like, we've never supported that. And and then they were having all these discussions like, is it even feasible for a woman to be a doctor? And it, it turned into kind of like a— a debate, and Ida's just sitting there going, great, you know? So everyone was ready to decline until one woman, um, her name was Kate, Miss Kate Philishigan, stood up and said she voted to pay Ida's tuition. And she gave this um, incredible speech on Ida's behalf and how they needed women doctors. Um, And Ida was accepted. And then enrolled in the Women's Medical College of Philadelphia. Now, remember, this is new because it, maybe you remember when Elizabeth Blackwell right. wanted to go to Philadelphia um, Medical College. First of all, it was only men, and there was nothing for women. 
Interestingly enough, as you remember, Elizabeth Blackwell was a Quaker. Mm-hmm. This medical college was started in 1850 by Quakers. Now, was Ida in any way inspired by Elizabeth Blackwell? Did she know yes. about her? Yes, okay. she was. That's okay. so good to say she was. And had it not been for Elizabeth Blackwell, the opportunity for Ida to become a doctor would probably yeah. never have happened. Yeah, that's true. true so actually, yeah. in every biography that I've read about Ida Scudder, Elizabeth Blackwell is mentioned more than once <laughs> and very favorably. Yes. <laughs> so um, actually, there's a book that I'd also like to read. That's the story of uh, Elizabeth Blackwell and her sister. Oh. Written from a non-Christian perspective. Oh, but I was like, that's oh, always get, interesting. That's my yeah. next book. But anyway, <laughs> Ida was one of 40 students. And while she was there, she met a young woman, Nell. And they became good friends and steady partners. This did not come easily at first to Ida. I mean, she had to study hard. And, you know, Ida, who had always been frivolous, right, was now— didn't care. <laughs> yes, was really, really um, studying hard. In 1897, Ida's parents returned to India, and two of Ida's brothers became engaged. So that's kind of, you know, a hard year for her, you know. It was—she was happy, mm. but she missed her parents. She could always, you know, write to her father yeah. and ask his advice. And now he's back in India— But the next year, so that would be 1898, it was her fourth year of college, Cornell Medical College Mm. suddenly opened up to women. That's huge. That they would open their medical college up to women. And the reason they did it is because they were offered a $1 million endowment if they accepted eight women to their medical college. So Ida and Nell and two others from Philadelphia applied, and they all got accepted. They were four out of the eight. Wow, that's and crazy. Um, at first, when she went there, the you know the boys were hooting and hollering and everything. But Ida was so um, had such a great personality and was such a great student that pretty soon they all respected her and they all got along really, really well. Was she like in any way still wanting to get married, or had she kind of just focused? No, nope. she okay. wrote her mother just, about yeah. this time and said, "I can't wait." You know, mm. that's still the desire of my heart. Now, after graduating, Ida did her residency in the slums of New York City. And in her first two weeks working in the slums, she delivered 17 babies and made 71 house calls. Wow. And that's just two weeks. And so she was there for a year because she had to intern and really, you know, do practicums. Um, She was disappointed, though, because she wanted some— she was hoping for, I hate to say this, but some for some hard births or some complicated births right. because she really wanted to be able to help. Yeah, expand with the, her skills. Yeah. Yes. So after this time, her brother Walter um, fell in love with her best friend, Nell. Oh, And they ended up getting married, but they wanted to go back to India on the mission field, which was great. Hey. So Ida had a suitor at this time. His name was Charles, and he was desperately in love with Ida. And if you look at pictures, Ida was a beauty. She had blonde she hair, so blue cute. eyes. Yeah. yeah. So cute. And she knew that she was to return to India, and she didn't want anything to get in the way of her obedience to God. Charles wanted to have her settle in the United States, and he would provide her with a house, and he pursued and pursued and pursued mm-hmm. her. And even one of her brothers put in a good word for Charles, but <laughs> she just knew that she was called back. So she made plans to go back to India. But before she returned, she was told that a female doctor, Louisa Hart, had gone to India. But now India's a huge country. Yeah. But Louisa Hart felt that they needed to build a hospital in Valour just for women. 
And so she sent word to Ida, like, I want you to raise at least $8,000 while you're there before you come back. Uh, you know, raise support for yourself because Ida had to raise support for her to be a missionary right, there. Right, right, right. Also- um, so she had to also now raise support to this hospital, for this hospital. Mm-hmm. So Ida went to work and she said about gathering data uh, about the conditions in India and about how there was no hospitals for women and the average age of death for a woman in India was 26 years old wow. as compared to 54 years old in the United States. That's crazy. When you think about like even the Middle Ages and how low it was, that's way lower. That's so just, wow. She made this huge presentation. You know, she would talk about her call. She would talk yeah. about the what was going on with women and how they need needed um female doctors. Um, her roommate was a woman named Catherine Van Nest. And Catherine Van Nest told her about a women's auxiliary meeting. And she said, but let me set you up with the leader of the women's auxiliary. Um, go to her house. Maybe she'll invite you to the meeting. So she went um, to the meeting. I mean, she she to went with a letter house. of introduction to the lady's house. And she was telling the lady and the lady's like, mm, I don't think that's interesting or re- anything we're really interested in. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're really interested in, but you can come and you can make your presentation and you could just see if if anyone's interested. Well, in the meantime, the, the president, the woman uh, who was head of the auxiliary, her brother-in-law was sitting in another room and he was actually listening. <laughs> so, and Hancock had gotten in touch, Annie, as she called her, Annie Hancock had gotten in touch with Ida, and she wanted to go on the mission field too, but she didn't have any support. But she said, if I had support, I'd be right there with you. So Ida met with the uh, head of the auxiliary. She said, I don't think that will happen. But Mr. Shell, her brother-in-law, as I said, had been Mm -hmm. listening. So the next day, a card comes from Mr. Shell, and he'd like Ida to come visit him. Ida goes and visits Dr. Shell, and Dr. Shell says, my wife loved the mission field, and I wanted to do something to honor her because she died last year. This is exactly what I'd like to do. He said, I will underwrite all the expenses of this hospital if you'll name it Mary Tabor Shell Hospital. And she said she would. (laughs) He wrote out a check for $10,000 because he said 8,000 is just not enough, and you're going to need some money too. Mm. And then he made an appointment for her. He said, go to the auxiliary meeting tomorrow. And afterwards, I'm going to take you shopping, and we're going to buy beds. We're going to buy hospital equipment, and I'm going to send them over at my own expense to India for you, and they'll be there when you get there. Above and beyond. Wow. (laughs) So she goes to this auxiliary meeting, and she decides that she's going to tell them about her friend Annie Hancock. And so, you know, the women are like, oh, that's interesting. But this woman named Gertrude Dodd approaches her and she says, my sisters and I have been talking. and We want to support your friend Annie. Between the three of us, we're we're very well off and we'll support your friend Annie. So now you've got Annie and Ida ready to go back with this money to start the hospital, build it in Valour. Isn't that interesting, like how the Lord just touched, even people probably she wasn't expecting, like that man having an anointed eavesdropping in the next room. Exactly. You know, it's just, yeah, it's so interesting. So in the meantime, Dr. Scudder is in India, and he's trying to educate people to the benefits of inoculations. Inoculations are something very, very new. But the people there were suspicious and thought it was England trying to take over their minds. <laughs> and so Dr. Scudder talked some of the Christians into getting inoculated from cholera. And when they did, and cholera swept through the town, only the Christians Christians lived. And so then they thought it was a conspiracy of the Christians just to live. So the people opened up and the Muslims and the Hindus started allowing themselves to be inoculated. 
So when they reached India, Annie quickly set about learning Tamil, Tamil and then visiting different households and ministering to the women. Just loved it. Like, took off running. Ida began working with her father in the clinic. However, no women came in to see her, and she was so discouraged. Um, this was the whole reason she had gone to medical mm-hmm. school and turned down proposals and returned to India was to meet the pressing needs of the Indian women. Well, in the meantime, she decided to intern for just a few years with her father. However, she realized that her father was growing weaker, and her mother said, well, I think maybe he inoculated himself too much, as an example. But five months after she returned um, to India, she was on a bicycle ride with her father, and he fell off his bicycle. Mm -hmm. And so her cousin Luke came, and they took him in, and they laid him out. And when they took off his shirt, they realized that he had two large cancerous tumors in each (laughs) armpit. And when they went to operate, they realized that the cancer was spread throughout his whole body. Had he just ignored it? Just He knew he had it, and mm. he just wanted to keep going. Right. So um, he, he died there, and the last thing he said was, Oh, Master, receive your servant. Beautiful. And went to heaven. So then she took over the clinic, but she changed it just to one room. And for two weeks, no one showed up. The men did not want to be treated by a woman, and the women were scared or forbidden from coming. So that's as far as I'm going to go today. Wow. Did I whet your appetite? Yeah, definitely. Are you ready for next week? Yeah, she's barely started. I mean, she's, she's just now launching started. here. And everything that she's gone over there for mm. is not happening. And her father died. I mean, in the book, she's just devastated by the death of her father. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's interesting. The Lord gave her such a clear call, you know, with those three men knocking on the door. Yeah. That's how, you know, what sustained her here. But it's uh, from here on. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So stay tuned. Come Come back. back. Join us next week. That's right. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.